It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 18th day of April, 2019. We're here with our co-hosts, Jay Basser or John Stacy. And uh, today we have our guest speakers, James Scripps and Mr. Ray Cobbs. Uh, we're going to discuss some of these VA things. And I think one of the things uh, on our list today was we're going to discuss some of these female problems that uh, the female veterans are having with the VA. And uh, unfortunately, there's there's quite a few of them. And I'd like to see the VA rectify this and make it a little easier on them. Uh, 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 Ray, we were discussing that uh, here during the week, and it seemed like there's more and more homeless female veterans and uh, female veterans with PTSD are just growing and uh, uh, leaps and bounds, really. I mean, it's just unreal. Well, there, there's a reason for that uh, from in comparison to the previous uh, conflicts, wars. Uh, the, the female veteran is now up close to the front lines, if not on the front line. And so they're seeing more of what soldiers saw a, a year or so ago. And it seems to me, and I, I know there will be a lot of it holler at me, but for the most part, I think that the average lady is a little more sensitive to uh, uh, injuries and death than what a man is. And when you add all that up, uh, that just really puts them at a high risk. I know I have been helping a lady uh, here that uh, she was a truck driver. And, uh, yeah, she she wasn't in infantry as far as carrying a, a, a rifle, although she had a sidearm. Uh, she said, fortunately, she never had to use it, but what all she saw around her uh, was really uh, terrifying. Uh, a truck right in front of her hit one of the line mines and and went up and, and killed two or three, and uh, she was telling me the story that when she drove through some of the villages, they really had to drive at about 50 miles an hour to keep from being picked off by snipers. And yet little kids would come out right next to the road and and sometimes in the road um, begging for candy and food because, you know, it was so depressed over there. So she's having a hard time with that. When she filed her claim, uh, two things happened. One, she she did not go get the proper diagnosis. Uh, She did not go to three to five visits and actually have a psychologist or a social worker say that she had PTSD. 
it was kind of more or less uh, between her and her primary care doctor that came up with those those results. So when she filed her claim, they came back and they said, number one, there was no uh, psychological proof of it, and number two, she was not uh, carrying a weapon on the front line. Uh, I don't know. James might help me out on this one. I don't know that there's even a, a regulation anywhere that says in order to get PTSD, you have to carry a weapon on the front line. Um, you have to be in combat most of the time. I know that. But that's still not necessarily the case. But we've got we've got our case in for appeal. We uh, actually got her uh, into a psychologist to make three visits, and I think she's still going to her. Uh, but we got those initial three visits, three visits, and the diagnosis before we did the appeal. But yeah, the uh, the actually growing suicide rate for for the females of the military is is growing quite rapidly. Um, so it, it's a new thing that we're going to have to deal with because this is coming from veterans out of Afghanistan, where before. We've always talked about the Vietnam veterans, but now, you know, we have the, the men and women coming out of Afghanistan facing the same type of problems. And I'm not sure it's not a little worse just due to the fact that they're over there longer. You know, some of them do two and three tours, and some of them are over there for, for as much as a year and a half to two years at a time. I think that plays a factor. I believe that. I believe you're right there, Ray. It has to play a factor in it. I mean, you're under constant stress. And over there in the Middle East, like Afghanistan and and all them, my land's uh, someone walking down the street and whoop out a damn doggone gun and shoot you upside the head. Uh, it, uh, they, who's your enemy? So it's such a stressful thing, and you know, females on the on the field battlefield or or in the combat theater is relatively new, uh, and some can handle it, and some it it they just had no idea of the stress of it all because you don't dare let your guard down and and I, I uh, that had to come from lack of proper training and also lack of of when they come up for discharge lack of proper screening when they discharge them because uh, a lot of this should showed up uh, when they went to discharge them, I think they're they're just pulling that trick. Uh, well, you've served your time, get on down the road. Uh, I think that's the problem with it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm afraid it may sure. be. We wouldn't have so many. You know, I was reading. Go ahead. I was reading. Uh, not not two hours ago, and I didn't even know what the topic of this show was. I was reading where the number of female officers has doubled since the year 2015. 
Now, to the mm-hmm. VA, that's got to be like the increase in the amount of immigrants at the southern border. You know, are they ready for this? Do they, do they really know how to handle it? Well, yeah. I think they require probably a different training program, maybe more in depth, because uh, that's a tough deal. Uh, you get over and everybody's shooting at everyone. And this is, uh, I think this is worse than normal because your enemy is dressed like civilians. And why in the world ever agreed to to that situation is beyond me. If we wear uniforms, they should wear uniforms. If they don't wear uniforms, then when you designate a place, a combat area, it it shoot everything that moves, and they don't want it that way, and that that's why we're stuck over there for as long as we have, and you know you just can't walk down the street shooting everyone, uh, or you shouldn't, but uh, the way it is over there, they can come down the street and shoot you. Right. You know, there was a, there was a television show on public television, oh, I guess it was a week ago I was watching it, and it was quite, it had a little insight that was different that I had not thought about, is that the reason this war has prolonged as long as it has is they called it the uh, military machine industry. And they were talking about the industrial companies and that manufactured jeeps and tanks and weapons and ammo, and how they are wanting this. Of course, they're they're in their boom days right now, and they want this war to continue. Uh, they don't want it to end, and they don't want the U.S. to back out of any of it. So I well, thought that was an interesting intake that I had not looked at before or even thought about. Is from yeah. the uh, from their financial point, and how much uh, money. Uh, they're pouring into the uh, to Congress uh, campaigns in order to keep this going. Well, a lot of companies were affected by sequester back when they sequestered uh, uh, the budget years ago. Uh, the Senate done that when they had the majority back under the last president. Had. And so for every dollar spent, they had, they had to cut. And so a lot of these companies that had them contracts, uh, the orders got canceled. And that's the reason that the military ran into such disrepair that it is now. You know, they're having to go to the boneyard to, bar- to get parts off the plane to keep them flying. And uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad situation there, you know. I mean, you, you can't go into combat, you know, with inferior equipment or you're going to lose. That's true. And, uh, so, but on that young lady you were talking about earlier, uh, you said she carried a firearm, but they said she wasn't in combat. Is that what they said to prove her stressor? They said she wasn't an entry person carrying a weapon in combat. And that uh, was completely and totally wrong. I mean, James could probably That's tell cute. you more incidents where they get that wrong uh, anyway all the yeah, time. 
All you have to do is look at her DDT 14, and if she's got a combat action, combat action ribbon or combat action badge, she don't actually have to be front line, you know, slinging a house in combat, you know, as long as her her that she's in a combat zone. And they usually shoot well, DDT 14, which is that. I really think her biggest problem was that she did not have proper medical diagnosis from the proper mm-hmm. group That's the biggest. in order yeah, to, to win her case, and they just were looking and grabbing at something else to deny her for. But, you know, I feel pretty certain that, that she will end up getting it, um, you know, in the – I don't know how far out, but – you know, at some point in the future. And that's a fellow you know, assistant. You're supposed to send her to an exam and get her and, and, and check her out in case she has PTSD. If she has to go to an outside doctor to get it, you know, that's but it's gonna to have to be her treat physician. So that's just a mess. I see I see it every day. I had a nephew had the same issue. And he's a truck driver and he jumped out and they went through a combat zone in Iraq and one of the guys up front got shot, and he'd work in the medical field, so they started doing IVs with bullets flying over his head, and they still denied his point. He finally won, though. He didn't get a whole bunch, but, I mean, it, you know, it's just, it's just something they do. Yeah. There was an old adage before the PTSD rules were changed. I think that was mm-hmm. probably about 2000, gosh, can't even remember now, 10? When they come out with the new rules yeah. about stressor letter and... and up yeah. until that time, if if you wasn't a combat veteran and you filed for PTSD, you were going to lose your case. Uh, well, you could even the vet case. center won't see you if you're not a combat veteran. Right now, today, they won't see you if you're not a combat veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any educated, smart VSO would have filed that claim uh, and would today. As PTSD mm-hmm. to include severe anxiety and depression. That way, if you don't have yep. combat experience and they deny the PTSD, then they've got to look at the severe anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually happened to me. I filed for PTSD knowing they were going to turn that down. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did add claim in, to include severe anxiety and depression. And they did award severe anxiety and depression at thirty percent. So a lot of it is is uh, how your VSO, if if you did have a VSO, uh, filed that claim. You know, you mm-hmm. might have to fall back on that, that phrase to include. Um, mm-hmm. You can't just take granted that they're going to look at it. You know how they stack the deck against a person going out and getting outside IMO for PTSD. You see that? Oh, yes, I did see that. Yeah, they said that the the physician has to be your treating physician. You can't go get an IMO. He has to treat you. Well, it's also got to be be a a VA doctor. Well, you know, you can go outside the VA and and you can get an IMO, but this doctor has to treat you in ongoing treatment. Well, let me let me let me re let me rephrase that. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you've got a VA doctor, you're going to have a whole lot better chance. If you yeah, if sure. you can get a yeah. yeah. Well, you got a whole lot better chance, but now 
I live in one of the areas where they got one of the biggest PTSD things going. They got a whole hospital designed for working to getting a PTSD claim up here. You'd have better luck going to the Seven Eleven and buying you a couple of lottery tickets. Or roll talk. Right? Well, you know, you close <laughs> you close your eyes and you picture a person with PTSD. You're not picturing a lady with PTSD. We just don't do that. We see a man with PTSD, uh, and that attitude, uh, it's, it's going to change. It's got to change. Yeah, it's true. It has to change. I would, I would doubt uh, that that a woman would have any more resistance to that uh, than a guy would. You know, uh, we're all I mean, human. The biggest. The most majority claims for female PTSD, you know, are uh, some more combat related. You know, some are, you know, if they get into a situation like uh, look that little girl up in uh, West Virginia, Jessica. She was a prisoner of war. And they finally got her straightened out. But, uh, you know, most of the lady female father claims it's, it's, it's on some sort of trauma versus not PTSD, whether it's post traumatic stress or whether it's uh, MST or some other type of trauma, you know. And that's how they, most of them win their claims that way, you know. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of avenues to get service next for PTSD besides combat. But you're right, it's it, it's a bigger hill to climb. More roadblocks, more oh, uneducated more raiders, mm-hmm. more uneducated service officers. All the things to start with. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's a mess. If he's a service officer, you better make sure he's a good one because I've seen so many get their claims filed in, in uh, one of them alcoholic establishments, you know, where people go in and get drunk and start drinking and start doing claims. That ain't good. That ain't good at all. <laughs> but, well, I got, you know, it, it just makes sense that they should give them when they they come up for discharge should give them more training more time more more teachings on what to expect when you get out here in the world uh back to real life uh they need to uh, you know don't fly off the handle of every little thing and and you you can just imagine most of them are just as I don't know how many guys worked around people who were jumpy as all get out. Any loud noise, you know, they would just literally jump through their skin. Well, um, if they're not told, or they get to thinking something bad. And something is bad, but they don't know what. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, they end up in trouble. They're homeless. Uh, Too late. Yeah. Uh, it's because they wasn't properly screened uh, or vetted when they were discharged. I believe that Joe, could go, solve go a lot of further. their problems. I'll go even further, and I'd put this back on DOD. When they, well, I would well, too. When you guys went into service, did, did you guys have a psyche valve when you went in? I did. Did you all have one? Did we have a what? No, I don't think so. Did you have a psycho, Did you have a psychological evaluation? Did you sit down and talk to a psychiatrist when you went in? No. 
Did they ask you a question? No, I said you that. I had an attitude after about five minutes. No, I didn't. (laughs) Okay, that's a lot of problem, too. I mean, a lot of these people, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, they could they could they could nip that in the butt at the door. They could see who you know. They can they can tell in their professional mind, you know, who's liable to crack and who's not. They can weed a lot of people out, and they and they they could solve a lot of this stuff before it, before it gets too far like it is now. Well, you know, you know, Robert McNamara made an exception, and they actually took troops with. Uh, psychological problems. Yeah, uh, that's a big. That's a, I had a cousin that was one of those people. Mm-hmm. If somebody shot at him, he didn't have sense enough to duck. He'd stand there and laugh. But they took him. Uh, really? They took quite a few of. Them. Did he make it? He he he's dead now, but he did make it through and, and came home. Okay. Uh, well. But, you know, they raided them 4F for a while, and then as an mm-hmm. experiment, I don't know anything mm-hmm. else, what else to call it, Robert McNamara decided to go ahead and take a large number of, number of them in. You know, the, the, well, it was, you could call it a suicide mission, I guess. Well, you know what that means, don't you? As soon as they take them in, the, uh, the soundness for fit for combat comes into place. Eh? They were sound for duty when they, after that, even though they may not have been. So I guess well, not, if they weren't tested they were for a psych, if yeah. they weren't tested but, you know. for a psychological uh, profile, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what you're saying if is you true. In, you're, uh, yeah, you're fit to be, you're presumed to be sound when you get in there, regardless of, the, of what what you test. If they let you in, exactly. So what that exactly. means is when you get out and you've got issues, you're going to be riding on the back of the VA for the rest of your life. That's true. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's sad. But that's the way it is. I mean, you know, the way that. I mean, the way the the way the code regulations are written. You know, we like to follow those regs. You know, to a T. But even though the law doesn't want to do it, we do. You know. <laughs> well, back well, to the service yeah. officers knowing their job. You know, I'm not picking yeah. on service officers. Uh, these guys don't make a lot of money. But if mm-hmm. they're not willing to do a little bit of of. Uh, Learning and research and, and and on their own, you know the the, the county governments or, or whatever organization they're working for, other than their quarterly training, they're not going to learn a lot. You got to be able to take that on your own. I filed my claim for the the O award with our county service officer who used to be the Tennessee State instructor, right. and he knew nothing about. The O award. He knew nothing about the. the uh, yeah, it, it's so they don't train for that. Ray and I actually had to teach the regional office in Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> about that the O award and the R one. Yeah. Now that yeah. sounds that far crazy. out, but we did. Yeah, we really. we had to teach those people. Had to print it out, underline it, and explain it to them how it worked. And and what's interesting, but you have to go through a certain. You cannot get a, an O award unless you have standard aid attendance. Aid attendance. And all they knew was standard aid attendance because the way it is, like James says, when you get to an R one, 
it says you go mm-hmm. to the next level. Well, right. if you if when you, you get, already have standard aid attendance, your next level's a no. But if you don't have any well, no. aid attendance, then your next level's standard. And no, they didn't understand an that. If you have an S award, when you get to the top of that ladder, and there's an S right there in front of you. That S is a big wall. And the only way to break it wall down is to get uh, get the L, L and a half or eight tens award. The, and once that lays down and opens up, that opens up the rest of the gamut for the veteran to get if he's got loss of use or whatever. But if you're stuck at an S and don't have eight attendance, you can be rated a thousand percent and not get eight attendance and, and still be paid a hundred percent or S level. Exactly. As Alex Graham, Graham says, you could have a wheelbarrow load of disabilities and you ain't not going to get it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Eight attendance is what it is. That's the key. Key. Or being yeah. so helpless as to be in need of aid and attendance. That's overloaded. Uh-huh. Well, they don't, uh-huh. even though that phrase is out there, but they try to hide that. They try to hide that under the rock. Uh, they probably got that buried under the bathroom somewhere. I'm looking for a case right here. I've got laying on my desk. It'll take 10 minutes to find it. But I'll explain something else that's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of guys are being denied aid and attendance because the, the whoever is adjudicating the claim, the writer, is using the rules for uh, housebound. And I have a, a yeah, BBA decision. That. Yeah, I have a BBA decision actually uh, uh, coming down on a regional office for using the rules and eligibility requirements for aid and attendance and intermingling them with the rules and the eligibility requirements for housebound. In other words, they're saying you need a a single 100% disability to get aid and attendance. Mm -hmm. Well, there is no minimum. Required for aid right. attendance. Um, That's right. You know, simple things like that, uh, and they're instructed. You know, you you go by 352A and do not uh, intermingle with 352B. Yeah, I'll find that here in a minute. I'll give you I'll give you a citation number on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, People might be interested in looking that one up. It's the first time I've seen that, and the only time really that I've seen the BVA mm-hmm. reprimand a regional office uh, right there on the paperwork in the case. You know, you mm-hmm. did this and don't ever do it again. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I'll find the case number here in a minute. I used to have a list if I can find it. I'll email you a list of links to the BVA decisions. And it's a lot of decisions like the one you're talking about, a lot of issues. And there's even issues uh, where they destroyed evidence and everything, and they got caught doing it. And uh, even oh, in the yeah, court case, what, they threatened. Shredder gave one court case. Off what Shredder gave was about. Yeah. And then one yeah, court James, case you, put the you secretary in jail. Uh, James, you mentioned something here I'd like to... Uh, uh, stress to these veterans out here that have put in for aid and attendance. Uh, 
you mentioned that a lot of times the Raiders try to intermingle that with homebound. And that's two different uh, issues. Sure it is. Um, and, uh, and the veteran gets denied. That's and right. And he don't know, he can really can't understand why. And we're seeing cases uh, coming out of the regional office that denies because they don't have one single 100% disability. And that's not necessary for aid and attendance. That's right. Uh, that's what... It, yeah. But the veteran yeah. gets his decision, and all he knows is he got denied. He don't understand why. You know, you trust in the Raider for new rules and regulations. Well, I just wanted to emphasize that on the veterans listening there, and for the purpose of the archives, or should someone come back and re-listen, um, because that's quite important. That's that's a good way to lose out on aid and attendance by accepting uh, accepting that denial. You should appeal no, it. That's not a denial. That's a key. That is a misapplication. Well, of the actually, statement. I'd say you're right. It is a key. Yeah, that's a proven key. Somebody's got to call it a key before it's yeah. 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 you. Yeah, that's true. You can ask the legal office to do an in-process key. So here's the key because of this. They'll fix it. On your decision, it don't say it's a cue. It says denied. Right, but you can, you, you can ask them to fix that decision if you're representing. Yeah, if you know, if you know why that it was it was falsely denied or erroneously. Well, all you have to do is show. But you got to know that first. Look here. Yeah, you have to show them how they, you know, what they did. Because the reasonable yeah. mind. You have to listen you know, to this podcast to find it out. <laughs> uh, hey, the more listeners we get, the better off we are. <laughs> Bring them in. Yeah. 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 But I mean, uh, the cues happen yeah, every day. Yeah, we're fixing to go big time here, so we want people to listen in. That's right, fixing to go big time. <laughs> yeah. And we might have uh, we might have you two on 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 a, on a new format here before long, and we'll really get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have that bad when you know you got
got a toilet brush, but I don't use it on myself. <laughs> they got medicine for that. Well, I I got a used one. I don't think I'd take UPS would turn that down. Have you guys ever been associated with or filed a few claims against the VA? I didn't catch that. Have you guys ever been associated with new dealings with the VA or with your claim to the VA? Have you ever filed a queue or been a part of the queue? No. Well, I've got no. one filed now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm on my tenonitis with a queue. Right. Because, yeah. because they, uh, uh, they give me zero rating and... Yeah. I queued them on that and won. Right. You know, well, my, my queue is my queue is really for an early or effective date. Okay. That's good. I mean, you know, it's misapplication. There's still misapplication of the rating schedule because, you know, the effective date is supposed to be the date the condition arose or the date they decide to claim, whichever is later. And so if you have an issue that you've had filed for years and they try to, you know, cheat you out of, out of, out of going back when you get your claim finally won, then, there's, you know, they they get away around this pretty pretty crazy because you watch them and it's all one big scheme because you, you, you get graded for a condition, okay, and then they look at it and they try to stage it, you know, okay, he was 20% this day and then six months later he was 30%, you know, like that. They try to stage it. Or they try to say, okay, he was diagnosed this day, which is four or five years later than he actually was diagnosed. They try to, you know, they try to, try to give you a later date. And it's, uh, but the biggest one cue that I see, and I've seen a lot of them, okay, it's 3.156C. You guys know that regulation? No. 3.156C is missing service department records. So if you file a claim and they deny your claim because there's no records available and it doesn't matter if you let it go or not. And you say you reopen the claim 10 years later and they find the records. And any part of that record is used to grant your claim regardless of what. As long as it's in there, they have to go back 3.156C back to day one and pay you. Well, really, what mine has to what mine has to do with is uh, the effective date. I'm Ooh. saying that you should never have to apply for specially monthly compensation. Uh, no, you shouldn't have to. The, the regs say say on any 100 percent disability granted, then they should Ooh. look at specially monthly compensation. They failed to do right. that. Uh, so they granted my aid and attendance. Uh, they dropped the first four years that I was waiting. They didn't infer. They should have inferred the aid and attendance at the time of the grant, and they didn't do that. So that's that's well, what my that. VA. That's what You're my VA. Yeah, if you know, there was there was. Uh, I've read 
only one case. But the, the the reason they got out of that is the rule didn't come into play until I think nineteen ninety four. And that right. weapon served in World War Two and the, the rule didn't apply. No, because the way that works, the BVA works on rules. The rules that the BVA uses are basically are, are the rules that were in effect time at the time it happened. Oh. So that's that's a big catch off. You know, they use uh I mean, for example, you file a claim in nineteen ninety and they deny you and you reopen the claim, they have to go back to nineteen nineties rule and make that claim. They can't read it on today's rule. Because it has oh. to be at the, the at the date the claim was filed. That that's how they do that. Except for the appeal process, you can get that now. That's turned into the biggest joke I've ever seen. Now, how would that affect you, James? Uh, You just recently here. uh, How would that affect you on your queue? Or uh, you're going back on them there. You Uh, know, I I mentioned a queue, but I didn't uh, really call it a queue. I explained, you know, the regulation. Uh-huh. Uh, that only uh, upon any brand new 100% grant that yes. they should consider specially monthly compensation, and they failed to do that. Okay. Uh, therefore, yeah. I'm saying they owe me all the way back to the to the date of the original claim that I be that I uh, filed a claim, and that would have been the last day of 2011. Okay, it's my claim, my award should have went back all the way to the to January first, two thousand twelve. Yeah, but they dropped the first four years. In other words, they they didn't infer the claim. They waited till I actually went back, filed a nod, and, and claimed it. Yeah. Well, they may trade it like the, a key. I don't know. Yeah, let me give that citation number. Uh, okay. And what they're saying here, the board notes that in adjudicating this matter, the RO convoluted the requirements for an award of, of specially monitored uh, of, of service connection based on aid and attendance with those based on housebound status. The requirements <laughs> for uh, housebound and aid and attendance are not the same. Any further adjudication in this matter should reflect the correct standard of CFR, um, CFR 3.352, and should not include the standard set forth in CFR 3.52B. So they're chastising the regional office, and they're saying, hey, you guys used housebound regulations to try to give this guy guy aid and attendance, and you can't do that. They're not the that same, they're not the the same requirements. They yeah. Ah. yeah, they should have they, they fixed that in-house in VA. But I wonder how much time they uh, cost that poor guy. Oh, gosh. How many guys? That's the question. Yeah. How yeah, many guys is this happening to? Anyway, let me give you the citation number. You can look that up for yourself on the BVA prior decision. Just put BVA prior decisions in, into your... Uh, Browser, 
and you can get to it. Uh, and the citation number is one six four one eight oh two. And the decision date is ten twenty eight sixteen. So when you go to the BVA site and their search engine, put this citation number and choose the twenty sixteen date and it'll come up. Okay. But when you you know, when you're applying for aid and attendance and they turn you down and they give the reasons and, and basis for the denial, read that and see if they didn't convolute housebound and aid and attendance regulations to come up with their decision. Because there is no minimum requirement of service, uh, time spent in service, to draw aid and attendance. Well, I put in for aid and attendance, and I'm not 100%, but uh, I'll put you in for it anyway. Yeah, you're right. But now, you're right. That's what yeah, I was yeah. So, uh, but it's pending. It's been pending for several years now, but it's still pending. Well, now, the uh, way this came up, we've got two veterans in our organization were, were, that were denied aid and attendance. Okay. One specifically because he didn't have a 100% single disability. Now that and would I be said a key. service officer about it, and he said, well, we've been talking about that down at the office, but the older gentleman service officer, who was a state training officer, said he had never seen one one that didn't have 100%, and the younger one is thinking he's the guru, so they're not looking it up for themselves and say the truth, they don't know where to find it. So I sent them this case. I sent them this case, and they thanked me for that. That clarified it. Uh, now the veteran just got to wait uh, on an appeal for his aid and attendance. I hope he outlives it. And that's because of lack of knowledge. Yes, it is. Of those who were in the place that and expected to have the knowledge. Well, they don't keep themselves updated. I don't know. Maybe they get in a rut. They're so overwhelmed. I don't know what their issues are. Uh, don't but be fooled. A lot of, a lot of bad advice. <laughs> don't be a lot of Carol. Yes, it is. A lot of problem is they when they run into something that they don't know, they pick up the phone and they call another service officer thinking he's the guru. <laughs> yeah, they don't know no more than they do. They need to get pick up their CFR and learn how to look this stuff up for themselves, and then they're going to be right. The uh, guru, that's the only if, way you if, can if Somebody it, that's right? considered a guru, usually they're too high and mighty to say, I don't know. Let's look it up. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but let's look well, it up. Think, I, all the yeah, I think another problem that, that one of their biggest problems, they've never been trained how to look it up. You know, they, they really don't know where to start. In a couple of cases that I'm familiar with, you know, our county service officer here um, didn't have any idea where to start to look. Uh, matter of fact, one day, not too long ago. He actually ended up and called me on it, and he said, uh, "Where did you find out this information?" 
And and basically, I said, well, you know, everybody knows that you can go to your congressman and request your records from from the Department of Defense. And so he said, well, why don't they just walk next door or across the street and get it? I said, well, they're not going to walk anywhere to get it. They expect you to do it. Yeah. And you know that that he you know he's. He just didn't know how to to do a simple thing like getting the records. Uh, these happen to be sealed. How to get sealed records uh, for the veteran to win his claim? Um, I don't know if you. Well, ever I'll tell you where that. Period, I tell you where that comes from. It comes from the veteran. The normal everyday veteran walking into a service officer's office and saying, "I want to file a claim," and the service service officer takes the information, fills out the 526, and the veteran walks out the door not knowing that he's got to personally pursue that claim and prove his case. Yeah, they're not, they're not properly told. informed. Sure. They think the service officer is going to pursue it like Perry Mason, yeah. and it just don't happen. Well, now our service officer will either tell them that, oh, that's all right, don't worry about it, we'll take care of it. Exactly, they, they, they walk out the door. That's right. That's exactly what happened. They never even heard of a nexus letter. Yeah. And the only way they're going to find out about that is... After they're denied, they're going to read on there, you didn't have a nexus, and they don't understand nexus, probably never heard the word before. Uh, yeah, you know, what was, the only thing that I've heard time and time again, our county service officer say, is, well, do you have any letters from your friends that were there with you or photographs of you there on the location? You know, heard it said several times. Yeah, we're old people. We don't know those people anymore. I don't know. It's, uh, i got to say it's getting better. It's probably better than it ever has been since I've been dealing with the VA back in 2000 and, gosh, 2002 or so. But we're not there yet. No, we got to Improvements are coming yeah. and improvements are on the way, but we're not there yet. And now they have this new claims process, which is, I think, uh, got a, quite a few people uh, scratching their head. Uh, we had a show on it last week, actually. Um, I think it was last week. I don't know. But in, anyway... It. Uh, it's where they ports off, and then you got another. Uh, then it ports off again, and Alex Graham he was going to put a a diagram. <laughs> put a diagram on his website showing all these ports. <laughs> he did do that. I saw it. <laughs> did you? <laughs> well, good deal. Uh, I told him. The way it looked to me like the VA was forking all of us. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, he said he would put it on there because right? I'm, 
you know, I'm going to see something. Well, see, I'm on a rabbit hunt. I'm on a rabbit hunt. Well, I'm over in the weeds, and I've oh, still yeah. got my old millennial claim going, and I'm still walking straight ahead trying to jump rabbits. Well, and every time one of these guys jump over into the into the the new appeal process, that's the same thing as jumping up a rabbit. <laughs> they they run over to to the another line, and I'll move up one. Uh, so the longer I'd stay in there and hang on, and the more rabbits jump up and run over to the new lines, then the closer I'll get. <laughs> uh, last what? night I was as of day before yesterday, they had 162,000 some odd claims before the BVA to be adjudicated, and Ooh. I'm 82,000 and something back in line. Oh, I'm exactly halfway there. I'm exactly halfway there. But now they're oh, saying man. they're going to have all millennium claims done by the end of 2020. And that's not that far off. It's not four years like I had to do, you know. So my sentence has been commuted a little bit. Well, I don't know where mine's in that. Um, and it's... It's I can tell you how you can find out. Go to GoVets.gov, and it'll give you a timeline of where your claim is right now. How many are ahead of you? Uh, and it'll tell you what date they're working on right now. You can't get that off of e-benefits. Use oh, your you same. Can. No. Vet, you get, get it off of VA.gov. Use your same password. Go to va.gov instead of e-benefits. Okay. And bring it up. Um, from then on, you'll never go back to to uh, e-benefits, or you or you won't use my healthy vet because it'll all be on uh, va.gov and more. Va.gov. You, know, you put you, in your password, username, and password. Yeah. Your DSL login number that you yeah. use and password and, and name, just yeah, like you would Vets. for uh, e-benefits. Yeah. That's Vets.gov, right? Same, same same name and same password. Vets.gov, girl. Yeah. Is it Vets.gov? Yeah, yeah Vets.gov. I, I, think, I think I put in VA.gov and I got the same place. That's what I use, VA.gov, but... Certainly now that you say that, I think that is the official site. If you actually go on to, you still go on to benefits, and you can actually look up a claim you can, or and yeah. it'll give you a link. From there, or through. you can go to My yeah. Healthy Vet from that site. Yeah. You can instant message from that site. You can order your medications. But the big thing is it's expanded, and you can see where your claim or appeal stands in relation to all others. Mm-hmm. That's good. Can you file a new claim on there too? You got to have to go back to the benefit. Uh, you you don't. Once you get into that, you don't have to go back to e benefits for anything. Good You'd file your claim right there. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Just, just go there and check it out. Let's say I don't think you'll use uh, my healthy vet or e benefits again after you go to that site. Because it's expanded, there's more information. There's the same information, 
and then there's more information that you can obtain. That's a good deal. Yeah, you can do everything from that one site. Oh. Uh, you know, that that's like I say, things are getting better and that's one thing has gotten a lot better. Well, Just knowing that any time day or night you go on there and find out where you claim this. Yeah. Or if that it is it's good. even still there, you know. If it's not there you got problems. <laughs> it, it's mighty easy to find out. Well, I'll check them out, that's for sure. Yeah, if you've got a claim, you know, I can see Ray doesn't have a claim pending, so I can see why he wouldn't be interested in that. But if you have a claim or an appeal pending, that's the only place you're going to find that. Oh, I can remember when I did have them pending. I was in there every two or three days looking to see how many more or if anything had changed or... Yeah, if it's but see, you were going to e-benefits. Yeah, the only thing available to you back then was e-benefits, and you didn't have a timeline in there. But this yeah. actually shows a timeline. Um, you know, it's a blank box with a uh, an expanding blue streak. The closer you get, the further the blue streak advances across the page. Ooh. And mine's exactly halfway there, and then it gives you the numbers how many are in the queue and how many are ahead of you. Maybe and even uh, what day what date they're working on would, today, you know. Jerry, you imagine how it was but we first filed our claim? You imagine how uh-huh. we still filed our first claim? <laughs> you imagine how you used to when you first filed our claim, girl, we'd file our claim and send it off, and the next day we'd set up watching the mailbox, just like the yeah, you're, you're yeah. watching your own duty. <laughs> I'm I'm still watching my this is my third mailbox, <laughs> and it ain't showed up yet. <laughs> Lord help a mailman if he's five minutes late. <laughs> mailman gets well, they, gets where he runs by here eighty miles an hour. <laughs> move move the box. <laughs> I did move the what box. A school. Well, the paint, paint a school moved. box. Yeah, paint <laughs> uh, uh, a school bus on the side of the road. Better than <laughs> that, go buy right. you one at auction. Just park it there. <laughs> there you go. That's what I got to do. Uh, well, people's got their yeah. electronic security systems are putting the they run little wire up to the mailbox and putting a little sensor in there when the door opens up. They get an alarm in that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't well, know about these new gadgets. <laughs> yeah, technology. Well, I'll check that bet.gov. Yeah, check it out real good, girl. It's got a lot of information on it. I might just stumble into something. I called the White House today, so... Well, you should have checked on that before your vision got so bad. Well, yeah, you're right, because <laughs> I got a big screen there, too, and I still can't read it. Well, I'm using these you VA know. spectacles, you know, because I got sick of diabetes, and they give me mm-hmm. these free glasses, and I can't see nothing out of them. I called a doctor up down there. 
had sold them to me or given to me, and he so he calls up here and sent me to some doctor in Joplin here. So I go down there, and my I come out of there with worse worse eyesight than I had. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna have to well, I had take a, money out of my pocket, I guess. I was supposed to have had a, a appointment this morning with my eye doctor at VA, and then an appointment with the low vision clinic after that. And my eye doctor told me that they had canceled my low vision clinic appointment because my low vision was due to my cataracts. Yeah. I don't understand that. I know I can't see. I don't care why. Uh, I was asking ILP for one of them big fancy monitors like Ray's got, uh, and they denied that. Well. But... uh, they're holding my case open to get me one if I can show the need for it. Uh, they didn't say I didn't need it. They just said it was caused by my uh, something else, not not vision, cataracts. If they, if they do my cataract <laughs> surgery, I'll promise I'll give the monitor back if I can see the screen. Well, they replaced both of my lens. Uh, uh, wasn't the BA. I'd done that before. Uh, that's been twenty years ago, I guess. But, uh, but I'm getting cataracts back on these new lens. They said, and I guess that's why I'm having such a time. Well, I got up the other morning. I was fooling around. I couldn't find anything. Come in here, and watch TV. Couldn't see the TV. Well, what? Can't see the TV. I pick up my computer. Pick up my computer and come on, but it, I couldn't see the screen right. So I put the computer down, started outside, put my shoes on, started outside, reached up and to adjust my glasses, and there wasn't no lens in the right-hand side. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a little backtracking and found the lens, uh, tried to put it back in, come find out, got a little screw, pinches of lens in there, and the screw was gone. Well, I, I got one I can Walmart hold and put a screw in it. Oh, you did good. <laughs> What'd they charge you for that screw? Nothing. 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 Uh, but uh, I got VA glasses and the wrong prescription or something, and I had a pair from Walmart I've been wearing a year. So when that screw came out, I said, put the screw in it, and I said, make me another pair just like it. And they said, we can't do that. You've got to have another exam, but your insurance will cover the exam and the glasses, too. I said, well, let's do it. I went down and picked up my glasses, and I can't see out of the new one, so I put my old one back on. And I got both lens in it, too. I'll be. Well, you better super glue them in. Well, they don't glue in. It's the only ones i ever seen that didn't glue in it. A screw holds it in. Well, you may have to drill and tap it and put in a bigger screw. Well, there's no doubt that VA makes a whole lot better glasses than Walmart does. You just can't see out of them. (laughs) (laughs) I 
got these titanium glasses. I paid extra to get them. But the lens ain't no good. <laughs> well, it's a pretty good prescription. I guess it took me 98 days waiting on VA to get my glasses. Oh, and then they put it to get them like to get them in 98 days. They got to put a rush on it. <laughs> and that's 98 no days. 98 days. 98 days. Places. 98 days. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I get mine within 10 days. I went over and complained after about 75 days, and they said, well, we'll put a relish on it, and it took 98. <laughs> I wasn't long, dude. It wouldn't be long. I'd do a new, a new one again, you know, when I got these. <laughs> they sent me but anyway, I went to prosthetics to, to complain that it was about the vision. People, I told them if they couldn't honor the contracts in a timely manner, they might look at splitting that contract. And prosthetic said, well, it's not their fault, it's our fault. So huh. they took the blame for it, but it still took 98 days to get their glasses. Did you get bifocals? Did they give you, you bifocals? Did they give yeah, you I got bifocals? Well, I got they bifocals. did mine, but they put one of my bifocals on the bottom of one lens. And the top of the other. And I never, well, I can't figure out why they done such a, a deal like that. I guess when I found it in the lens, I was very careful. I was careful not to put one in upside down. Well, that'd give you a crick in your neck. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody at VA Hospital works there. And they want to know my rating. And they said, Miss Cripps, don't look like there's a thing wrong with you. <laughs> well, I was at Costco. I was at Costco today, and I run into a Navy veteran, said he served 24 years. Um, and he, he didn't even know I was disabled. Uh, but I, I was on one of those little carts in Costco, so I guess he kind of figured it. He said, it don't look like there's a thing wrong with you. So I guess it would benefit me uh, to take one lens out and put it in upside down. Well, it, it might. <laughs> and I get one of them. Don't they sell them cast things you can wear? Buy one for your leg and then your other arm and, you know. Well, I already something. got two, two well. braces on my feet for drop foot, you know. Uh, yeah, that's right. How, how'd your arm ever get you broke? It's healing. Um, I went over the other day, and they grabbed it above the brake and below the brake and started twisting and bending, Ooh. and they couldn't, they couldn't re-brake it, so they said they thought it was healing. Uh, the x-ray showed a little patch of air in between the two bones. Uh that might I'm, be I'm afraid to use it too much. Yeah, I wouldn't have no transmission on it. I, I got up in the middle of the night and went in and got me a cup of milk, but I reached in the refrigerator and got a full gallon of milk off the top shelf, and I forgot about it. I reached with my right hand. Yeah. When that thing slid off the shelf, 
<laughs> I had to turn it loose. But I think I feel better about it. I think it's healing okay. I think it'll be all right. It'll never be like it was because it's crooked. Uh, I'm lucky. I'll take what I can get out of that. I'm lucky. You know, that transmission weighed 200 pounds and it fell two feet. Um, My elbow was on the concrete and I was holding the jack with with my hand, so it kind of karate chopped it. So, uh, you know, I'll take the... could have bounced off, hit me in the head. I was laying on the sure creeper could've. beside it. But I want to tell you something, James. That, 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 that would be nothing. That would be nothing compared to that defibrillator in your chest went off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had that happen a few times. That'll, that's electrifying. That, that'll sit you up in the bed, don't it? I know what it'll do. I, the first yeah. time it happened, I went to my knees... And I, you know, I thought it would just, when it went off, it would just be a bam, but it wasn't. No. It was a. But then the next time it come off, I was unconscious. You know, I was, I was dead clinically when it did go off. So I don't know about that one. Uh, it saved your life. The doctors tell me it went off 62 times in the first two weeks of April uh, last year. And Man. they brought up the times, and the doctor said, you was in a bed of sleep or you'd hit the ground. But anyway, they had bladed yeah. the heart. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fine. Uh, I did put that transmission back together with one hand and put it back in the truck. It took me about five months, but I got it done. Had that couldn't drive it anyway. Couldn't get the handbrake off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You still have an episode of tachycardia and things like that, or is it getting better because of the scar tissue? Well, the problem was my heart would not give up its job to the defibrillator mm-hmm. pacemaker. So they were both uh-huh. trying to regulate at the same time, battling each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they ablated everything in my heart that would cause a heartbeat, when I woke up in intensive care, I knew I felt better the instant that I woke up. Because this battle yeah. had been going on inside of me for years. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. Oh. That's a good thing. I just have to watch it's the battery fun. life. Got to so keep on the battery life. And I, yes. You taking blood thinners? I've been taking blood thinners mm-hmm. since '97. What are you taking? You taking warfarin, or you taking the new stuff? Warfarin. They tried the new stuff. Oh, uh, and about the time they got me weaned off the water, warfarin, I started bleeding from the, every office in my body, and then directly through the skin too. Oh, so we had well, to they, we had to stop that and go back on the warfarin. The VA put me on uh, on the Fredaxa, and uh, I got to where I could barely even walk. We couldn't get up. I had muscle weakness and yeah. things like that. So. And uh, I went through an episode where I thought it was back problem and stuff, so I finally got feeling a little better. And then my cardiologist outside the VA said, you should stop taking that stuff right now. And they gave me, they put me back on Eloquence, and I've been fine ever since. Yeah. Well, Eloquence so, is what they put me on instead of Coumadin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. Oh, okay. But, you know, you got to be careful and, and not fall. If you report that you're falling, 
they're going to take your blood thinners away from you. You're going to die of natural causes then a stroke. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen. Well, to you got, if you got a father and a really got, good friend. If you got AFib, but you know that's what happens to you. Yeah, they take you off your blood thinners, and if you say I'm falling, they're afraid you're going to hit your head and your brain will swell, so they take you off your blood thinners and just let you go mm-hmm. the natural way. Um, yeah. Well, if you got uh, orthostatic hypertension, man, that's another bad issue. When blood pressure drops and stand up. Yeah. You get the ground doing that too. I'm in pretty good health, except all the things that are trying to kill me. And they're all service-connected, so I don't have any worries. (laughs) Me either. You know, uh, I died, and I didn't see the light, but I didn't see hellfire either. But I'm carrying an asbestos discharge. Yeah, I'm carrying an Mm -hmm. asbestos discharge so I can present it and say, whoa, wait a minute, I served. (laughs) (laughs) Asbestos (laughs) discharge. I just got caught that. Well, you know, you got to get veterans' preference. You know, when I get down there and I do see hell's fires, if I can present that asbestos discharge and get a little veterans' preference, it might get me just over the wire. You know, maybe, maybe they got a better raider than I've met down here. I don't know. Well, that have to have. If they have anything to do with the BA, James, you're in trouble. I know. Okay, do they make asbestos toilet paper? Yeah. Yes. You got I got a special roll here. You want me to email it to you? No, I was just going to yeah. say, be careful, don't put it on that roller backwards. <laughs> oh, okay. You'll be denied every time. You don't want a remand in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They sell people things for uh, hot crap. They get his best of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I could probably qualify for them, but I can't. It's got to be need-based, not because you just want it. And I can't prove mm-hmm. that I need it. Well, I wouldn't want to prove that I need it standing there at the window. That's true. Yeah. Well, let's see. What else are we going to cover here today? Uh, you bring it up and we'll discuss it. If we don't know anything about it, you know, you kind of scared me when you said female problems. I didn't have none. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know whether I was going to have to set this one out or not. <laughs> well, we are concerned about the female veterans and doggone it. I. I wish things were different for him and that was better, but I can't imagine well, I anyone on. go over there tour one tour after another after another and and you know it it's just not healthy uh, mentally or physically uh, period and I think uh, we're probably just seeing the tip of the iceberg of these these Middle East veterans because the whole whole area is nothing but a con- contaminated cesspool. 
if you live through it to get back home, there's no telling what you've been exposed to, that's for sure. They have all them burn pits and this and that. And then they uh, shot a lot of them uh, DU munitions. munitions uh, and they say after they hit and explode, then there's uh, bits of radiation all over the place. So uh, I have a feeling we're going to have a whole lot of sick veterans coming from there, and whether it be uh, PTSD or TBIs or whatever, uh, they're just going to have a rough time of it like all the other veterans, I believe, most of them. But, well, you know, Gerald, you said the tip of the iceberg. We won't live long enough to see much further than the tip, but the U.S. government don't learn. You know, we went through Agent Orange exposures and all of that and, and the cost associated with it. And with all of today's technology, it looks like they could, if they had to have burn pits, that they could pro- control those and, and end up with a cleaner burn. Uh, but we just don't want is it we don't know or we don't care. You know, uh, that's something that I just can't get out of my mind because they had the uh, facilities or equipment and mobile equipment that they can burn anything, and, and uh, uh, they've been burning uh, nerve agents for I don't know how long, as well as mustard agents and all sorts of agents uh, with these uh, 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 burning facilities that they can move around. Now, instead of setting a pit of fire over there where all your troops are at, and contaminating them. Why didn't they take one of them over? It just makes take sense. Take it to sea. Take it to sea. Because that yeah. works. If they burn it at sea, it's harmless. They proved that in Operation Pacer Hole when they took all the, the Agent Orange out there from down in Georgia and burned it. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, It was that's harmless. A... If you don't believe it, you ask them if it worked on Agent Orange. With dioxin in it, then surely it would work on what they're burning in those burn pits. Well, well yeah, they would burn a nerve agents, mustard agents. Uh, oh, I guess the list is endless of different Yeah, hospital agents. agents. Uh, uh, why would you, you burn know, that yeah, back, around your troops? Back when well, I was man. in Fort McCallum, we actually had one of those portable burn pits back behind yeah. the building. And uh, the building was actually a chemical. Yeah. Yeah. It was a uh, a chemical training center. And every week uh, on Friday afternoon, they'd go out there and uh, burn some of the chemicals. Uh, They used nerve gas, Agent Orange, uh, Agent Blue, uh, mustard gas. And they'd go out there and, and, and burn it on Friday afternoon, what was left over. And then on Monday yeah. morning, they start all over again with a new well, class. See, they have the means of properly disposing of that without so much risk to their personnel. And I cannot accept any excuse that they 
didn't have a choice. You know, they do have a choice. They know the cost of war. They know the cost of sick personnel. But they say, look, it'll be maybe 20, 30, 40 years down the road before some of this shows up. Some of it showed up much quicker than they anticipated, I believe. But uh, that's that's hard to find a, a, an a acceptable excuse. And I just don't believe there is one. It's so totally you know, I have in, They tried to hide it. I have in my yes. desk drawer, and I've had it for years now, a report, a letter from a German chemical company to Dow Chemical Company saying all of our people, and this letter was written in 1953, all of our people, all of our workers are coming down with chloracne. And we have found out that if we burn it a little hotter at this temperature and we burn it a little longer for this span of time, that it cooks off the toxin, uh, dioxin. Yeah. But Dowell didn't do that because they wanted to keep the price of, of the of the herbicides at less than ten dollars a gallon. Now they they claim that they didn't know, yeah. but I have the letter proof, and it was and it was dated nineteen fifty three. So they did mm-hmm. know. They did that's know. Like yeah, I got the letter. That's like. That's like the asbestos industry, you know. They had that uh, when they came out, started doing all the ships and making all the asbestos for the stuff. Everybody worked at the factory. Every single person and most of their families died in two in two years. Well, this this letter is written in German, and then it's translated yep. into English. Nineteen fifty-five. They were working on Agent Orange during the Second World War, but they quit when the war was over. They just put it on hold. (laughs) Yeah, when they invented napalm, (laughs) when they invented napalm, look out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Didn't yeah, didn't need it. Uh, Look out! But there's the when they when they abandoned. The missile bases down in South Florida, the uh, wildlife services, I think, took those buildings over, and a lady found that report behind a desk drawer. She worked for the cleaning company that cleaned those buildings out, and she had the good sense to save it. That's where the letter came from. You'd like to get your hands on it. I've got it. I don't have to get my hands on it. I have it in my possession. You better have it locked up in a fireproof safe, too. Oh, uh, I've, I've got the letters of how many gallons were ordered uh, from Eglin. I have uh, one of their orders. They ordered Agent White with a five-inch stripe, and Dowell wrote back and said, don't order with a five-inch stripe anymore. We only have three-inch stripes. On one correspondence back to Dowell, somebody wrote shh on the letter and said we didn't use all of that Agent White at this location. 250,000 gallons. Ooh. And I have the letters. I got the letters. 
it was followed by 25,000 gallons. Uh, I used all of this. I used all this information uh, to win my claim. It was never addressed. Yeah. Uh, How can you address it? You know, what you going to say? They say, pay this You know, they were telling me, they were telling me at that time, Mr. Cripps, we have never, ever used Agent Orange inside the continental United States. Well, that was my rebut. The the original invoices uh, and bill of lading. Well, I guess that kind of turned the road upside down, didn't it? Yeah, especially when somebody from down there says, Shh, we didn't use all of that here. <laughs> that means at least part of it was used there. But part of it went down to the missile base, White Sands. Mm-hmm. That many oh. gallons there probably went all over the United States, all the different posts. Yeah, they didn't have to count for it. No. So what what they also, James, if you come out, they started, like in my case, you know, if you look up my case, they'll still use the terminology. We did not use it anywhere in uh, uh, Fort McCallum or anywhere else in Alabama. However, if we did, it would have been used on golf courses, railroad tracks, and training facilities. Well, I had made the statement that I was contaminated in a training facility. So the judge says that's exactly where the veteran said he was exposed, so we have no choice but to grant him his disability and there'll be no more discussion. So, you said you know, Tiger they, Village. Pardon? You said Tiger Village. I was yeah, there Tiger before Village. the judge, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to raise hearing. Uh, actually was allowed to make a few statements that he's here. Yeah, but that was kind of, kind of an interesting hour. It was. Uh, Pam, the judge asked who Pam's wife was. Pam said, I'm his wife. The judge said, did you bring a copy of your marriage license? She said, no, sir. He said, get out of my courtroom. <laughs> oh, no kidding. <laughs> she got up and started out the door. She said, back down. I was just kidding. And I was sitting there in a three-piece suit. <laughs> oh. And the judge asked Ray service officer, said, and who is that? He said, he's a friend. He said, and what else? What did he say, Ray? He called me two, three different things, a witness and then, then something else and something else. And then he said, what, what well, he's trying to learn to adjudicate claims. The judge said he didn't yeah. stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Ray's, he asked Ray's service officer, are you claiming a presumption? of Agent Orange exposure. He said, I understand you are. And his service officer said, yes. And I was sitting behind him. I kicked his chair. So the judge asked again, are you 
claiming exposure under the presumptive of Agent Orange exposure. Service officer said, yes, I kicked his chair here. I know the judge saw it. But anyway, Yeah, the service officer said, no, I guess we're doing no direct exposure. And I looked at the judge and I said, yeah, it was all over me. I, you know, it's no assumption. It was all over me. And he reached down, and I never will forget this. He wadded up a, a, a sheet of paper that had been given to him, and it probably had assumption on it. I never got. I never saw what it said. And he wadded that yeah, thing he up, down for and he threw that thing, uh, threw that thing across the room towards the trash can. He threw it so hard it bounced off the wall. It went behind him on the other side of the of the room. He, he didn't he didn't like that at all. I I, I remember seeing that way he ripped that shit. Well, he paper looked at off. me when he threw that away. He looked at me and said, "Thank you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's another another case of a service officer claiming Agent Orange exposure at a military base inside the continental United States where there is no presumption. If you claim under the presumption rules where there is no presumption, you lost your case right there. Yeah, that's that be direct exposure. Direct exposure is the only way it can be. And yeah. that judge knew that, but he wasn't going to tell that service officer that. I knew it. I said, Judge, we came prepared to prove a direct exposure case. But the service officer didn't know didn't know that. You know, he gives you about ten minutes before you go into the judge's uh, room. And and then he asked me. He said, "How were you directly exposed?" So I told him how it happened. And then when he wrote his decision up, he quoted me pretty much. And he said he was told by a captain that that was Agent Orange being sprayed. And the captain was someone of knowledge of what was being done. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I would have thought it probably would need to be somebody higher than that, but evidently that captain was good enough. Oh, let me tell you something. They have brought Alan Young, Alan L. Young, back in. They have pressed him back into service, I guess, after retirement. And he came due to the flood of claims claiming Agent Orange exposure within the continental United States, and they've got to him to do a final study on Agent Orange outside of Vietnam and Korea. And the list of 30 posts and bases that was only 85% complete, he has whittled them down to 13 possibilities. Fort Gordon was one of them. Uh, but that was done as a result of the flood of claims that came in uh, claiming ex- exposure within the continental United States. I wasn't aware of that till last night. I just happened to come across it. Well, actually, they're owning that thing. Send me a link to that. Uh, I, yeah, I can do that. If I can find sure. it again, like I say, I, I was looking for something else, and it just happened to run across it. Okay. And then they came Look out. In the history. They came out. Not only does it have to be shown through JRC, 
but now they've got four different uh, steps to winning your claim, and you have to meet one of at least one of those four steps. You have to prove the where, when, how you were exposed. Uh, it has to be one of those 13 sites. You know, I forget what they are, but there's four different things, and you have to you have to be able to say yes to one of them. Now this is what Alvin Young submitted. United States. You, you yes. need your hands on anywhere, it. anywhere except Vietnam and Korea. But now this is what Alvin Young recommended to the VA. I don't know whether the VA adopted this or not, but that was his recommendation that you go through that that test of questions, and one of them had to be answered yes. I wonder if they had Alaska on there. Yeah, I know. Court, I don't court. remember what thirteen were. Uh, Ray asked me earlier if one of them was Fort McClellan. I don't remember. I noticed Fort Gordon was there. Eglin Air Force Base was there. Uh, According yeah. to the Corps engineers, they uh, uh, that's the easiest way to find out. I think uh, on Alaska, they mentioned Alaska that it was used there on the pipeline along the. Right aways of Richardson Highway. Yeah. But the only thing that they're conceding is the pipeline. Is that am I right about that? Uh, no, they right would now. have to they would have to concede the right away along Richardson Highway too. But that's where we had to park to go into our test projects. Because they had a big there and we had to park there at the right away, huh? What what about the reactor they had there too? Oh yeah, nuclear reactor that was at yeah. Fort Greeley. Right. And uh, uh, that's the first mobile nuclear reactor that the United States had. They'd done a test on it up there. Uh, it could be Yeah. It was based off a of subway. I remember way back uh, one case, at least one case being one at Fort Greeley, and I was thinking it was a construction worker, a heavy equipment operator, military, out by the pipeline. I don't remember a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that person, don't we, Gerald? <laughs> yeah, I've heard of him. Ah, yeah, yeah I know. Am I right? I to him. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, and I'm, then I'm I know so. another well, one that partially, yeah, because that case that case was one. I'm thinking before mine, but it wasn't considered continental United States. Right. Am I right about that? Uh, it's been so long ago. Alaska, no, Alaska is considered overseas duty, Gerald. It's not continental U.S. Hawaii. Yeah, is I was. I was I'm thinking that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a hardship to cool. her. And, uh, I know one other guy that won, won an Agent Orange claim from up there. On, uh, well, that's what I'm talking about. It was Agent Orange. And uh, uh, he got uh, 70% because he's on insulin. But he quit after mm-hmm. that. He didn't file no more claims. Mm-hmm. Uh which he was in the test projects, but he was in a couple years behind me. 
Oh, hey, wait. We're out of time. <laughs> it flies by when you're Probably having fun. Probably been out for a while. Yeah, we out yeah. of time, man. Yeah. You guys well, I can't see the clock. <laughs> they just issued a tornado watch year, I think, right close to you. Oh, really? Mm. But then they blow where, where it goes it? up past Gunners. Where's it? Where's it up going to Tennessee? Is it up in Tennessee? Where does it stop at? Uh, it stops north at the Tennessee border, Alabama Tennessee line. So you're close. Yeah, Gunner says so just mm. that's just right over the mountain from where where we are to the south. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know where Sand Mountain is? <laughs> yeah, Sand yeah. Mountain's down uh, about no thirty-five miles to the south mm. of us. Really. You live that close? Do you? Yeah, close it's, it's outside of Huntsville. Okay. Yep. My mom lives in Boaz, so you know exactly where it's at. Okay, I know where that she is. Lives, she lives on. She lives on Sand Mountain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, James, I'll send you an email, and uh, I've got a new email address. I'll send it. To, I'll send you an email just for right. a test. You can you save that yeah. as my new email address? And, okay, I'll send you one okay. too, Ray, just in case you don't have it. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. You sure make a good show. Well, and we did you get some facts out there. Hopefully, we help some veterans and some female veterans. Uh, of course, they need some help, too. And we want all veterans to to get the best care possible and have the VA looking after them better than what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we're having too many female veterans uh, with suicide and homeless and wrecked families and everything else. It just... They got to do better. Maybe they're working on it, but they need to do better yet. Well, I enjoyed the conversation, guys. I did too. Well, we, I did we've too. got to. I haven't yeah, had a paper on the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we never did get our eyesight squared away. But <laughs> I can't tell you what, Joe. Let me let me let me give you one on that on that that, that eyesight. I got a call yeah. today. They're wanting me. I go out to my primary care next week. They want me to after I see her. I'm going to go over for eye exam. They said we want to see if you've got diabetic neuropathy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Retinoneuropathy. Retinoneuropathy. Yeah. And, and I said, uh, you know, I don't understand why they don't look at my records. Uh, I've had 26 eye laser surgeries because of it. I'm blind mm-hmm. in the left eye because of it. And I have yep. a, uh, a 20% disability in each eye because of it. But yet they want yeah, to do an want... exam to see if I have it. <laughs> oh, oh, my they God. Want to, they want to see... They want to see if it's got worse, right? That's what they want. Yeah. 
<laughs> go go to it. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, the doctor. And I'm going to give this doctor credit, this VA doctor down there. The last time I went in to see him, he said, I don't need to see you anymore. He said, you've had so much laser surgery, I wouldn't dare give you any more. I'll just let you go blind naturally. Because they, mm-hmm. they did too much in the left eye, and uh, it's like looking through uh, a wax. They don't want 1151. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. You tried to get me to file one on it, and I did go back and look up the records, and it was pretty obvious. Uh, prior to the surgery, I had uh, uh, 20-30 vision in that eye. And after the surgery, I had 20 over 250, which means I'm oh. legally blind. Good God. So James, James is saying I should have, should have filed it. You could have. Well, you could you're at the max now anyway, so it wouldn't have made any difference. That's right. It wouldn't have made any difference. It doesn't matter. Keep filing well, I'm it, you're the max. The principle. It ain't the money. It's the principle. You know, there's nothing beyond <laughs> what I've got except the barrel for it. I could go yeah, to an R2, man. but I don't want an R2. Well, you might as well be in the cemetery if you go to R2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah R2's oh. a, you got to be one messed up dude to get R2. Yeah. You don't need R2. Oh, no. All I would have to, all I would have to do now to get R2 or Ray either. Is hire mm-hmm. a professional to come in and, and instead of my wife. Automatically, mm-hmm. you're going to go to R2 for R1. I'm not but I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't want an R2. No, I'm not the company that's marking to the, you know, I'm not the company that's marking to the chow hall, and, and when you get to the door, the company commander don't say halt. You keep bouncing off the door until, until he tells you to halt. That door is is eight attendance, and I can't get through it. <laughs> you know, I taught my kids today about the birds and the bees, and I told them uh, some parents even eat their children. So you better get your crap yep. straight before dinner. <laughs> Have you guys seen the Easter joke? No. The farmer snuck out to the this this farmer stuck out to the hen house and he took all the eggs out from the hens and took them in the house and brought out the ones he painted and put in there, all different colors. They sent all them eggs and the rooster come in, saw them eggs and went out and beat the crap out of the peacock. <laughs> <laughs> are we are we off the air, ain't we? Yes, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, we're Are we all there? We stopped recording 12 minutes ago. Woman walked up to the pharmacy. Woman walked up to the pharmacy counter at Walmart. She said, "You got Viagra?" Pharmacy said, "Yes, ma'am." She said, "Does it work?" Pharmacy said, "Yes, ma'am." She said, "Can you get it over the counter?" He said, "If I take two." <laughs> Hey guys, I'm going to, I'm going to have to get off and run on that one. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys we'll, we'll later. We'll talk to you guys next time. Right, bye bye. Thanks a lot, Ray. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, that about got me. Yes. Yeah.
You're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm about to choke. I'm about to choke up on that one. Uh, we're going to do an exit tonight. We're just going to shut her down, man. Yeah, no need. <laughs> Podcast and figure out we're gone. <laughs> I'm gonna check, I better check out my counter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll see you after a while. Okay, be careful. All right. Bye. Bye, buddy. <laughs>